Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we'll be discussing the last movies of our 1989 thriller horror section. We're going to be discussing Dead Calm and Johnny Handsome. I'm Michael and Kersey's on the other side. Hey, how's it going? Can you believe we're finally at the end of this decade? I know, that was, that's, it's been a journey. Uh, how, how long have we been doing this? Well, we started... Well, technically we started before the 1980s. We did that one special episode where we did Dawn of the Dead and Zombie, which was 78 and 79. Yeah, kind of approved the concept of. Something. Yeah, that was the August. I want to say August of 2020, I think. Yeah. I think, and then yeah. it was really supposed to be a year experiment, and then we realized how long the 80s took. <laughs> and I don't know. I, it's hard for us to go back to trash cinema because I feel like we're really hitting our stride watching these better movies. Um, well, for the most part, better movies. We we ran into a couple stinkers, but. Yeah, I mean, you just go to last week's episode for 976 Evil. Was that the one before? No, that was the last one. Shocker and 976 Evil. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much, that, that was kind of a uh, little callback or a little uh, uh, homage. Yeah, and the 90s are going to be different because, A, there was hardly any horror movies in comparison. There just wasn't. And we they started moving into like more adult thrillers, you know, like like I said, the, the the babysitter from hell, the cop from hell, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, uh, action movies, you know, they'll be we'll be throwing a lot of those in. But the horror movies are kind of kind of step aside because I think we got like four a year now. Yeah. But um, so we're saying goodbye to this decade. The, the next one has some crazy good movies. I watched one called The Guardian. Have you seen this? No. William Friedkin, the legendary director of Exorcist, came back to the genre after almost 20 years away. And it's the another one of those early, like, from hell. They got the nanny from hell, and it's it's insane. It's just wild. Um, but before we get to that, I, I do want to finish this up. So uh, first one we're going to start off with is Johnny Handsome, a dark revenge thriller from a notorious action director. But this is probably his most subdued. And I want to see more personal. Not, not necessarily to him, but I mean it gets into the characters more. So when you finally get what's eventually going to happen, uh, I feel like you care more than a lot of these movies where it's just a straight up exploitation kind of revenge movie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the uh, other than maybe just like the opening, the real action doesn't start until like the last ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, this is it, the movie flopped it pretty bad, and and because it, it bombed so hard, uh, Walter Hill decided to go do another forty eight hours, which a lot of people saw as like, why are you even doing this? You're a really good director, but if you look at his track record, he had a lot of bombs right in a row, and I can see why he did it. But Walter Hill. I wish this movie had worked out for him, but it didn't financially. And if he had gone in this direction, I think with more personal crime-oriented films, I think it would have been beneficial to his career. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't really kind of kind of watching it. I wasn't really sure the, if, if the message was like rehabilitation doesn't work or like people are just inherently criminals. But I think I'm probably overthinking. The yeah, I don't. The movie. I don't really think there is. I never read the book, though I should have picked it up. I saw it at a library sale uh, like a decade ago. But I don't think there is supposed to be like, oh, it's not a morality tale. It just is. You know, it's this <sighs> culmination. It's more, about, it's more about the person themselves, not so much the system that we're talking right, about. Right, right, yeah. Or or that you're, the audience is supposed to like, oh, this is, a, we're, we're telling you what you should do with your life. But, I mean, it... it 
what it does start off with is very interesting because Mickey Rourke uh, plays a character that has what was it called? Uh, it's a large man of the face. Uh, that ro- that actor from Tango and Cash has it. Uh, Robert Zadar. Uh, what is it? Gigantism. Something like that, but it's it something amygdala or something like that. I can't remember the whole word. Oh, but. okay, yeah, you're talking about the more uh, the the more uh, scientific term. But yeah, yeah, the cool. it's the bone structure of the face, like the bones are enlarged, and he can't. He does, people treat him like a freak, and he doesn't really get any uh, affection or attention except from this one guy, Scott Wilson, who decides to take on this this uh jewel no no it was jewel it was coins right yeah this coin heist and he gets help from some people he doesn't really know and they these lance henderson holy fucking shit and ellen barkin are so so nasty in this they chew that scenery and i love watching those guys perform yeah it's a really interesting sort of divide because um when they're on screen it feels like a very different movie yeah so like they're in the beginning and then it, be- it becomes like a really kind of almost like silly over the top uh, heist movie, mm-hmm. and then it really slows down as it becomes more of like a character study. And yeah, then they come back, and then it kind of gets back into that. The uh, it, kind of, it tries to kind of combine the two, and uh, it, it's it's interesting. I'll say it's not right. bad, but it's interesting. I mean, yeah, because half the movie is just his rehabilitation, trying to go back into society, adjusting to how he looks now. And the fact that Morgan Freeman keeps dogging him, no matter what, he just won't let it go. And I should say this, if you're buying the Blu-ray of this and it says Morgan Freeman next to Mickey Rourke's name, understand that Morgan Freeman maybe is in at best 10 minutes, at best. He, he just shows up and he talks to somebody who's like, hey, this guy has changed. And he's like, nah, and then he walks away. And that's like about 80% of what he does with the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I think Forrest Whitaker gives a very nuanced performance as the Doctor oh, Who. Great, yeah. yeah, and then we have Elizabeth McGovern um, as his love interest, and I think it's kind of like the movie Death Sentence, where it tells you revenge is not good; it will destroy everything you love and yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, up until about the halfway point, even a little bit more than that about him sort of like building a new life and you get to kind of see that process and then the last half is him sort of destroying it yeah in, in pursuit of revenge against the oh we should probably explain like what happened so the, the, the coin robbery that happens at the beginning of the movie in that process his mentor father figure is shot and killed by the uh by lance henrickson um and that sort of sets off a series of events that he gets uh caught put in jail uh, and then they go through rehabilitation, part of which is um, fixing his face as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the first half is more like him building this new life, and then the last half is him destroying it in pursuit of revenge. What I think is amazing is Mickey Rourke's performance, and I know he was never really a successful actor. He got a few moments here and there um, where he got a lot of attention, but I think his biggest hit was The Wrestler, and that wasn't even... I don't even yeah. think it made that much. That was years and years later, but... What you see in this per- it was like eighty at that point. Yeah, what you see, what you see in this performance is the fact that he has a cleft palate, and he talks with that that way that you know the, the the vowels didn't come out right, the way he can't pronounce words. Then they show him going through that that word therapy, you know, trying to say words properly after they did the surgery. 
But then there's a moment later in the movie when he's getting very stressed out. He forgets how to say the words the new way. And he goes back to what it was. And I was like, that's a fucking choice that I am so happy that I'm, I'm here to witness. Yeah, that was I, like that was another thing, too. It was like, you know, once they get him back to, like, Mickey Rourke handsome, they're kind of just going to forget. They're going to just drop everything. But, like, I'm so glad that they brought those details back up. Yeah. And... Just because you fix the body doesn't necessarily mean you fix the mind. And I think that's a lot of the subtext in what his character is going through because he has a couple violent outbursts and trouble adjusting to the fact that at first she likes him, that he has, you know, a normal everyday job, that no one talks to him like a freak until he until Ellen Barkin finds out who he is, and then that's when it derails and she just starts calling him freak. He's like, You you can't pull one over on a freak out once a freak, always a freak or something like that. No, a geek. A geek. geek, yeah, yeah, which, <laughs> which uh, confused my partner, and I was like, "That's an old timey term for like a sideshow act." Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know why. I don't know why they're on uh, those thugs on the road would use such old terminology, but that's that's their preferred insult. Yeah, I and I, I wish you could see the cleaned up version of this. I only got the. I didn't know at the time when I bought it off Voodoo that it was like a fucking VHS copy. <laughs> I feel like I should get a refund. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it doesn't look that bad. I thought it was going to be a lot worse, but yeah. you were kind of building it up to be a lot worse than it was. But um, uh, there is a brand new Blu-ray that's coming out soon. It's a whole Walter Hill collection that's coming out, I think, uh, in this Christmas. And they're cleaning up Johnny Handsome and adding a whole bunch of special features. It's going to be The Warriors, um, Extreme Prejudice, uh, uh, this movie... Um, the driver and hard times, I think. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a collection of a lot of. Do you know Walter Hill's movies really at all? Uh, I only heard about one of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, his big ones are Forty Eight Hours, Brewster's Millions, uh, Streets of Fire, uh, The Warriors. But he kind of does like these old school macho tough guy movies. He did Trespass. He did a bunch of westerns. Um, Undisputed. Have you ever seen that? The the boxing, kickboxing, whatever competition movies with Michael Jai White and uh, uh, Scott Atkins. Oh, I think I saw the first one. Yeah, the first really he directed the first one, the one that had Wesley Snipes in it instead. Oh, never mind. I saw the one with uh, Jai White. Seven? Oh yeah, he took over in the second movie as as his character. But I saw one of those ones. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I really think that it's a great movie. It's kind of sad that it's been ignored out of it. all those people, all those names, and no one ever talks about it. It's it's kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a decent movie. Uh, I think it it, it kind of sets you up for thinking it's going to be a certain way, but it, I, I actually do think that the, the biggest chunk of the movie uh, is is actually really good. Yeah. I, I think that the beginning and the end are a little a little rushed, but I do I do think it's a pretty solid movie. The, uh, the second film is Dead Calm from George Miller. Po- wait, George Miller? No, Philip Noyce. It was produced by George Miller during uh, his non-Mad Max days, <laughs> which is actually yeah. a longer gap than you think. Um, I mean, this is kind of, this, uh, when you said George Miller, I was like, you know what, that's not surprising at all. This is kind of a, a Mad Max kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh, directed by Philip Noyce, who would go on to do like a bunch of political thrillers. But it's basically a three-person movie. I can't recall anybody else except for like the people in the video. And it's uh, Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman out on a cruise. You know, just or on their little what do you call it? It's not a cruise ship. It's um, what do you even call it? It's a yacht, just a boat. Yeah, like a sailboat yacht thing. And they run across another boat, and uh, 
Billy Zane is trying to escape from it, gets them to be rescued, and turns out not everything is what it seems. And it's funny how fast... I didn't remember how fast they ditched Sam Neill. Like, he goes to the other boat while Billy Zane is recuperating, and that's when everything... I have a chance to even think something might be wrong. Like, it happens very quickly. Yeah, and it's just this big journey where he's trying to get off the boat and get to her, and it's such a challenge because the boat's sinking, and he does the discovery of, you know, what happened to the people on that boat first. And I think everybody gives a good performance, but Billy Zane really fucking rocks this one. It's it's I mean it's it's a little scenery chewing, but it's hey, why not? It's fun. It varies. Some scenes are a little absurd, while others are just like he plays it so straight, so creepy, and so sincere um, that it just kind of gets under your skin. Yeah, I mean it's not Demon Knight crazy, which I think is my favorite <laughs> performance of his. It, yeah, that's I mean that's Hall of Fame right there. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say on this. It's just mostly set on the boat and them trying to outwit each other and the negotiations that Nicole Kidman has to do with his char- with Billy Zane's character just to survive and, and get to where she needs to go. I was truly... Ch- this is the one thing that really bothered me about the movie is when she accidentally, spoilers, harpoons her dog and she barely reacts. It's her yeah, fucking that dog. That she clearly up. She sees the dog. And she's kind of holding him up at the time, so I can understand why she might not, like, get, get, be emotional in that moment because she needs to focus. But, like, there, there's never a moment when they acknowledge that their dog is dead. Like, when Sam Neill gets back on the boat near the end, I, I, I like, made a joke to myself where it's like, oh, honey, where's the dog? And, you know, like, because they never mention it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really strange, like, and but I... I guess it's just a, it's a cat and mouse game. It must have been really hard to film unless they filmed it really close to, you know, land and just use certain angles because I would find filming on the water out in the middle of nowhere be the most nauseating, horrifying experience. I would get I so think sick. One of the most dangerous experience, uh, ways to film too, I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember Waterworld. <laughs> How disastrous that was. Like, yes, let's build this really out in the ocean and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a hurricane destroyed our set! Great. Yeah, yeah. So I think what is interesting about this movie is that the setup is that Nicole Kidman, um, she got into a car crash that accidentally oh, killed her child. Right. Yeah. That, that is the that's the setup, and so the idea is that they're going to go sailing around the world until they're sort of ready to come back into society. Um, and that's when they happen upon the ship that is sinking, where Billy Zane is on a, a dinghy. And he's uh, rowing his way into their boat. Basically, crashes his crashes his little boat into theirs, and just it just scrambles on board and just runs around trying to just trying to get uh, to safety. And they try to figure out what's going on. So, like the whole the whole movie. Oh, I, I should also explain that after Sam Neill goes to try to figure out what the hell happened on the other boat, Billy Zane takes control of the the operational boat and uh, just goes just just takes it and just goes goes with it yeah uh with nicole kevin's character so they're like trying to figure out how she can slow down the boat while or sabotage it uh but still keeping it functional she can't just destroy it because they still need it yeah so she has to find a way to slow it down while sam neil has to try to figure out how to make the other boat run so he's got to start it up he's got to pump out all the water he's got to keep pumping water so make sure it doesn't sink uh the navigation is screwed so he's got to write everything down like there's tons of uh details that go into like how it's, it's a, basically a slow motion chase sequence right um and I, it's, I, I love those kinds of movies 
but this was really, I, I really enjoyed it. I also love that, like, the whole thing is more of, like, it's a metaphor as well. So they're there. I'm going to over-intellectualize this, I'm sure. But, like, the whole thing is that they're, like, they're always running. Like, it's so, like, the, the whole idea of chasing and Billy Zane is just pushing them forward. Uh, he just kind of represents, you know, like, the the randomness and and, uh, and horrors of life coming at you, and he's just pushing you forward, and they're trying to, like, run away from their problems, but really they need to stand and fight, or they need to just deal with their problems instead of running away. So it's a really, I think it's actually a really good movie. Yeah, I think there's one thing in this that I thought was really interesting and scarier uh, than I expected is when he's watching the videotape of what happened yes. on the boat and watching slowly unraveling Billy Zane or whatever, uh, getting madder and madder at the crew with the, you know, the photographer and the models, and you eventually, oh yeah, they're dead. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like you know movies like Vacancy, like when they would discover the tapes in the hotel room of what was happening. They're like, oh, and the, the slow realization of, oh shit. <laughs> also creepy because it's so vague because those tapes don't tell the entire story of what's happening so is he just did the situation just end up like that just naturally and he's sort of a victim of circumstance and he had to make take extreme measures to survive uh like when they're when they're eventually filming him and making him just go crazy um but he's like trying to tell he's like trying to get across that something is wrong or that they need to stop and listen to him like, is, this, is the ship already sinking at that point and they don't realize it? Like, there, there's so many questions about, like, that time period that we only get snippets of that just make it so creepy. Yeah. I think about uh, that in the movie 8mm, which I can't wait to discuss, but it's a long ways yes. off, is the mystery that goes into what you don't see in the film. Yeah, that, that's the one that's uh, Schumacher and Nick Cage, right? Correct. That that's a good one. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the 80s, everybody. We got a lot of good stuff coming in the 90s. We have Graveyard Shift, uh, Stephen King movie. We have Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Uh, like I said, The Guardian and a couple others from 1990. I, I've decided that, uh, and I promised my other co-host, my regular co-host, Jacob, that I was going to give the podcast 10 years, and I'm going to. But that means we only have about a year and a half left in the show, so I have to kind of strain, you know, cut some stuff out that's... Look, Mark for Death, <laughs> Seagal, <laughs> I watched it, I'm not in the mood to discuss, the movie's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's a Seagal movie, man, I don't know why you tried. What? It's a, it's a Seagal movie, man, why do you try? I don't know, I just remember it being kind of like, this has horror elements to it, and I'm like, god damn, why did we watch these fucking Seagal movies, why were they so popular for a while? So, I'm going to have to call some of them from the list, you've seen the list uh, that I've made for you. I'm going to have to trim back a little bit or we'll be at this for five years. So um, that is it. So we'll be back in a little while with 1990 movies. Have a good night.